Welcome to another edition of my podcast, Sean's Sports Stop. Recently changed to that name from Sean's Sports Show. This is episode number 169 overall. That does not include special guest episodes where I interview athletes or where I've had a co-host on a couple occasions. Today, I will be reporting the uh, notable news stories in sports and giving my unique perspective or opinion on all of them. And... Uh, first of all, before I get into that, I want to say that I found this website called allteams.com. That's A-L-L-T-E-A-M-Z.com. Uh, it's very useful for parents and children that are looking for youth sports teams in their area. All they have to do is make an account with the website and tell, basically, you know, tell where, what area they live in. And then they'll get recommendations uh, for all the youth sports teams in the area. It's also useful for parents and coaches to get in contact about you know, the child that they're talking about. I also got a job from that website as a sports writer. So far, I've written two articles. All three have tied into youth sports, but they, um, they're they about different sports. Two are about Dodgers players, uh, pitcher Rich Hill, and now free agent Manny Machado. And the most recent one is about my experiences in competitive junior tennis in Southern California. So also, all episodes of this podcast, one through one sixty nine, and the guest episodes are available on every podcast platform, which includes iTunes and Spotify. If you would like, if you would help, if you would like to help support it, please donate whatever you can. I pledge to use whatever money that you do donate for the sole purpose of making this podcast better for you, the listener, and just help out any way you can. You know, rate me five stars on iTunes, subscribe, write a positive review or any review. All feedback is appreciated, positive, negative, or neutral. But Anyway, let's get down to it. A lot of stories today to cover, and of course, the LA sports teams as I always do in the end. But the first one has to do with the WNBA. The WNBA Players Union will opt out of the current collective bargaining agreement with the league, rendering it void following the 2019 season, according to Rachel Galligan of Hero Sports. The CBA went into effect in 2014 and was set to run through 2021, but both the union and the league had the right to end the agreement two years early. Per uh, Michelle Vopel of ESPNW.com. Per ESPN's Women's Hoops, the WNBA acting president, Mark Tatum, released a statement regarding the CBA status. The statement read, quote, The league and its teams are committed to an open and good faith negotiation that is rooted in the, in the financial realities of our business. We are getting to work immediately and are confident such a process can lead to a fair deal for all involved. Los Angeles Sparks star and Women's National Basketball Players Association president, Nineka uh, Aguameke discussed the decision to opt in to opt out in an article for the Players Tribune on Thursday. She said, quote, to me, opting out uh, means just not believing in ourselves, but going one step further, betting on ourselves. It means being a group of empowered women in the year 2018, not just feeling fed up with the status quo, but going one step further, rejecting the status quo. And it means taking a stand, not just for the greatest women's basketball players of today, but going one step further, taking a stand for the greatest women's basketball players of tomorrow. Uh, Ogumiki added that players are hoping to have a more open line of communication regarding financial matters in the league and a better understanding of what they mean for everyone involved. Quote, in opting out of the CBA, our primary objective is, objective is full transparency. We just want information about where the league is as a business so that we can come together and make sound decisions for the future of the game. You probably don't know this, but as players, we never get to see the numbers. We don't know how the league is doing. As the kids say nowadays, we just want to see the receipts. This is not an adversarial thing. Believe me, this is incredibly difficult on a human level. We have to sit across the negotiating table from the same people that we work with day in and day out and who we know want this game to be great too. We just want full transparency so we can figure out how to make common sense changes that will help our players' quality of life. 
Uncle Mike also made it clear that opting out is, quote, not purely about salaries and, quote, not all about the money. The 2016 WMV, WNBA MVP emphasized, quote, we just want what we're worth. We just want what's right. We just want to leave this game a little better than we found it for the next generation. In a Bleacher Report magazine article written by Mirren Fader on Monday, it was noted that the WNBA is expected to make, quote, less than 1% of the $9 billion in revenue that the NBA is expected to generate this year. Knowing that WNBA players aren't asking for huge salaries, but they do want a higher share of the revenue since they get 22%, while the NBA players get about 50%. Fader also noted that WNBA players want more sponsorships and increased media coverage. The 2018 WNBA season ended in September, and the final season under the current CBA is scheduled to begin in May. So we'll just have to see. And I have nothing but respect and admiration for these women that are standing up for their rights and uh, fighting for what they believe in. Now switching gears to the men's side, the M men's side, the NBA. Despite already having an NBA Defensive Player of the Year award to his resume, Golden State Warriors star Draymond Green has made it his mission to add a second one to uh, this season. Per ESPN.com's Nick Friedel, Green explained after the Warriors' win over the New Orleans Pelicans on Wednesday why then he needs to be regarded as the NBA's best defender. He said, quote, I need that. I need that, I need that bad, real bad. I made second-team all-defense last year. I'm pissed about that still. I'll be pissed until I write that. So that's a serious goal of mine this year. And I'm on it every night. Uh, Green was previously named 2016-17 NBA Defensive Player of the Year. He finished second to Kawhi Leonard in each of the previous two seasons, but felt but fell all the way down to sixth in voting last season. Last season also marked the first time since the 2013-14 season that he was not on the NBA's all-defensive first team. Advanced metrics indicated that the 28-year-old wasn't as effective on defense last year. His 3.4 defensive win shares and 2.7 defensive box plus-minus were, were his lowest total since he was a rookie, according to basketballreference.com. In addition to Green's desire to be regarded as a defensive stopper, there are potential contract ramifications in play here. Uh, you know, citing ESPN's Bobby Marks, Friedel noted that Green would be eligible to the Supermax exten extension worth $235 million over five years starting in 2020 if you if uh, he wins the award or is named to the All-NBA team this season. So, you know, you have a feeling when guys say this, they have m money on their mind. It's not about being considered anything. It's about getting that Supermax extension and... You know, I wish him the best in his pursuit of that. Now switching gears to the NFL. Baltimore Ravens defensive coordinator Don uh, Maddendale said on Thursday his research suggests that Pittsburgh Steelers that the Pittsburgh Steelers might be better without superstar running back Le'Veon Bell. Jameson Hensley of ESPN provided comments from uh, Martindale about Bell's continued holdout ahead of the Week 9 AFC North rivalry clash between the two teams. Quote, there are a lot of stats since 2015 that the Steelers are actually better without him. That might be why he's riding a jet ski down in Miami right now. So the NFL and CBS uh, showcased the numbers that backed up his comments. So since 2015, with Le'Veon Bell, uh, the Steelers are 23-10. and 10, And without him, there's 14-6-1. So only a .07 better winning percentage with him than without him. Uh, in terms of points per game, they, they, they averaged 23.9 with him and 29 without him. So... Uh, Yards per game, it's 369 with uh, with him, 413 without him. And red zone touchdown percentage is 51.9 with him, 68.1 without him. So looks like they are better without him. So they'll have to make a big decision here. You know what they want to do, trade him, try to get him to come back. It's a very interesting situation, delicate situation. So they need to play their cards right, whatever they end up doing. Now switching gears uh, back to the NBA. Cleveland Cavaliers shooting guard J.R. Smith said Thursday he's hoping for a trade because of his limited involvement during the early stages of this season. Jordan Heck of Sporting News provided the comments on Twitter. Quote, to feel like you're not going to play one day and then you 
to feel like you're going to play one day and then you're just and then you just don't play to even look me in my face and tell me that's disrespectful. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver later told um, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver later told told Joe Varden um, of the Athletic that he does not expect the league to find Smith for his comments. Earlier Thursday, Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN reported the league would determine if Smith's comments were, quote, a public trade request, which exposes him to a fine under the CBA. Wojnarowski noted Eric Bledsoe was previously fined $10,000 for tweeting that he did not want to be with the Phoenix Suns. Chris Fetter of Cleveland.com reported um, Cavs general manager Kobe Altman gave Smith the option to take a leave of absence from the organization since he'll likely remain, quote, glued to the bench, but he declined to in order to continue his leadership role. The 33-year-old New Jersey native appeared in four of the team's first seven games, and it looks like as if stopped, and it looks as if his opportunities will diminish even more now that the Cavs fired um, head, old head coach Tyron Lue. He played a small role when called upon, averaging two and a half points while shooting only 23% from the floor in 12 minutes a game. Finding a trade partner uh, could be difficult because of his contract, though he carries a 14.7 million dollar cap hit under this under, under the salary cap for the season, with an 18.6 million dollar dead cap figure per spot track. You know, that's a high p- price to play for a volume scorer who provided little in other categories and ranks worse, bad among amongst the, you know, the league's defenders. He rated 78th among 89 qualified shooting guards in def- defensive real plus minus last season. So th- they have to work something out. And um, obviously he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't want to be there. They don't want him to play. So it's a disaster in Cleveland now that LeBron is gone. Now switching gears to another NBA story. Uh, former NBA point guard Sebastian Telfair is being sued by American Express over unpaid credit card debt, according to TMZ. Per the report, Telfair has incurred a $43,051.69 tab. Selected by the Portland Trailblazers with the 13th pick in the 2004 NBA draft, Telfair spent 10 seasons in the league, suiting up for eight teams. He last uh, played in 2014-15 with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, the point guard averaged 7.4 points and 3.5 assists per game during his career. He made a total of $19.2 million. Uh, you know, Telfair, 33 years old, has, uh, has had several off-court issues in recent years. He was arrested in June of 2017 on gun-related charges. And according to the New York Post's Emily Saul, a Brooklyn judge recently denied Telfair's attempt to get the charges dismissed. He faces 15 years in prison if convicted. TMZ Sports also reported in January that Telfair had a restraining order placed against him to protect his estranged, estranged wife and kids after he had a violent outburst at her house and smashed a car windshield. So, you know, unfortunate. And I hope he writes the ship. I really do. Now switching gears to another NBA story. This one is much more positive for uh, you know all fans and Cleveland fans in general because of their disaster that I just covered. The NBA announced Thursday that the city of Cleveland and the Cavaliers will serve as hosts for the 2022 All-Star Game. Quote, Cleveland is a passionate sports city with a proven track record of hosting large-scale global events. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver said in a press conference, we thank Dan Gilbert, Len um, Komorowski, and the civic leaders for, to, for their commitment, and we look forward to a, a week-long celebration of our game. Quicken Loans Arena underwent renovations over the summer and will receive further renovations next summer. Those changes to the arena clearly played a part in the NBA's, in the NBA's decision to award them the All-Star Game. Uh, Dan Gilbert said in a statement, quote, We are proud to host uh, NBA All-Star Weekend in Cleveland in 2022. We have been working with the NBA, the city of Cleveland, and Cuyahoga County to deliver this, this iconic event to Northeast Ohio over the last couple of years. The transformation and new state-of-the-art Quicken Loans Arena was an important factor in the NBA's decision to choose Cleveland for the exciting classic broadcast across the globe. The world will get to see the modern Cleveland and all of its diversity, innovation, and promise for the future. The 22 All-Star, All-Star festivities will begin on the Friday, February 18th of 2022 with the Rising Stars game for standout rookies and, and second-year players, followed by Saturday's Skills Challenge, the three-point contest, and slam dunk contest, and the All-Star game itself will take place on the Sunday. 
Cleveland will follow Charlotte in 2019, Chicago in 2020, and Indianapolis in 2021 as hosts. The city has hosted two previous All-Star Games, one in 1981 and the second in 1997. So congrats to Cleveland. I'm looking forward to that event about three or a little over three years from now. Now switching gears back to the NBA, this has to do with the actual uh, game now, so to speak. The Golden State Warriors and DeMarcus Cousins know their arrangement. This is a one-year marriage before the All-Star Center crashes somewhere else. Quote, we made no bones about it when we signed him. Coach Steve Kerr told reporters Thursday, this is a one-year deal and we're not going to have money to sign him next year. So we'd like to help him win a championship and sign a great contract somewhere else. That's the reality. Cousins remains out of the lineup for the Warriors uh, after recovering from a ruptured Achilles tendon that he suffered in January. He signed a one-year contract with Golden State this summer after finding the free agent market, you know, not very welcoming. The Warriors have given no timetable for Cousins' return. Kerr told the reporters Cousins is eligible for 5-on-5 scrimmages. He said, quote, I'm feeling a lot better when I wa- than I was seven months ago. Cousins told reporters in September, you know, it's been a grind. It's been an adventure, to say the least. But I'm a lot, but I'm in a lot better place now. Physically, I'm coming along great. As of right now, it hasn't been any setbacks, and I feel a lot stronger. I'm getting my feet back under me, and I'm starting to feel like an athlete again. He averaged tw- just over 25 points, uh, just under 13 rebounds, and five and a half assists per game last season with the New Orleans Pelicans. And he would give Golden State an amazing jolt of offense and defense. Now, another NBA story, and the third that has to do with the Cleveland Cavaliers of this episode. There appears to be a movement between the Cleveland Cavaliers and Larry Drew on a contract that will make him the team's interim head coach. Per the Athletics' Joe Varden, uh, Drew said Thursday that the two sides have made, quote, progress on a restructured deal. The Cavs announced Tyron Luce firing on Sunday following an 0-6 start and named Drew acting head coach. Per ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski, Drew has been, quote, reluctant to give Cleveland a commitment for the rest of the season without some type of deal that extends him beyond this season. Wojnarowski and Brian Winters reported on Wednesday that the Cavs could attempt to bring in someone outside the organization to be their head coach, but they, quote, uh, not yet been aggressive in hiring one. There are no updates, which I'm very disappointed about. Drew said on Wednesday, I'm going to be professional and I'm going to do my job. It's been close to 72 hours. Drew noted he wouldn't quit, but wants additional compensation on top of his $1 million salary for taking in, for taking on a new role. Now in his fifth season with the team, Drew has been, been Drew was hired by the team in August of 2014. The 60-year-old was an associate head coach on Lou's staff when Cleveland won the 2016 NBA championship. Uh, he also won 8-1 with the team as interim head coach last season when Lou took a leave of absence for health-related issues. So that's that, and we'll just have to see. I mean, I, I think it's a very smart move what he's doing, this guy Larry Drew, who could be the next uh, head coach of the Cavs. Now another NBA story. Uh, Philadelphia 76ers head coach Brett Brown doesn't want point guard Ben Simmons to give up on his jump shot during only his second season of action in the, in the NBA. According to Sixers insider John Johnson, Brown revealed he, quote, wished the LSU product would take more jumpers. Brown explained Simmons is waiting until he is comfortable to shoot during games to start expanding his offensive arsenal. Johnson wrote, quote, the fact Brown spoke to Simmons about jump shots certainly indicates it is of some concern. It is a testament to Simmons' head-turning abilities elsewhere that he's still able to win Rookie of the Year last season despite making only 11, despite making all of the 11 three-pointers that he attempted last year. He's yet to take a long-range shot through seven games this year, although he is averaging 13.7 points, 10.4 rebounds, and 8 assists a game as, you know, Philly's primary facilitator on offense. However, there were also re- there are also worries about the shooting of Markel Fultz, especially after the number one pick in the 2017 draft. Played only 14 games last season and made headlines as he attempted to hone his shooting, uh, his shooting mechanics and form following an injury. So hopefully, that, you know, I think Ben Simmons will be unstoppable if he gets a jump shot. So far, he doesn't have one in the NBA, but he's still almost averaging a triple double without one, which is just insane. Showcases talent. 
I think he would, yeah, I think he has the potential to be better than LeBron James in the long run if he can develop a jump shot. That's right, I said it. Now switching gears to another NBA story. Uh, the New York Knicks won one playoff series during Carmelo Anthony's seven seasons with the team, but he pointed to the perception of the franchise beyond the on-court developments when asked why the team was unable to attract other top-notch free agents. He said, quote, I, I think I think uh, just the business, per Ian Begley of ESPN.com, everything that was going on, the perception of New York Knicks, not basketball, but the organization. I think it probably scared a lot of people away, scared some people away, not knowing the nuances and the ins and outs of kind of what was going on, who was in charge and who's not. So it was more than just bas- basketball when it came to people making those decisions. Um, Begley noted there was plenty of front office upheaval during Anthony's tenure with four different team presidents slash general managers and four different full-time head coaches. He also identified the, quote, publicly deteriorated relationship between Anthony and team president Phil Jackson as one reason that the team gave, uh, you know, kind of gave up on him. So that's that. Uh, now switching gears to the NFL. Thursday night football was today. Uh, it may be hard for the Oakland Raiders fans to have faith in your organization, but in the midst of a disastrous season, but coach John Gruden still believes that he can lead the silver and black to the Super Bowl. Quote, we're going to build a championship football team here. Gruden told reporters after Thursday night's 34-3 loss to Nick Mullins and the San Francisco 49ers. The Raiders have now lost four games in a row, and only two of their seven losses have come by one possession. Their lone victory, a 45-42 overtime win over the Cleveland Browns in Week 4, was aided by a controversial call. To make what matters even worse, Oakland still has games remaining against the Los Angeles Chargers, Baltimore Ravens, Cincinnati Bengals, Pittsburgh Steelers, Kansas City Chiefs two times, Arizona Cardinals who are 2-6, and six, and Denver Broncos who are 3-5. and five. Um... Yeah, the, the Broncos and Cardinals are the only two teams on the Raiders' remaining schedule with a losing record. As a result, Oakland could have the top overall pick in the draft for the first time since 2007 when they picked Jamarcus Russell. The Raiders, who are now 1-7, and seven, are now tied with the New York Giants for the worst record in the NFL. So, unfortunate uh, for them. And that's all we have for the notable news section in, uh, for this episode. Now we're going to be transitioning to the LA Sports to close out this episode. Starting with the Lakers. The Lakers did not play today, but they do play. Uh, the day after tomorrow at 7 p.m. Pacific time, 10 p.m. Eastern, against the Portland Trailblazers in Portland, Oregon. Their second game in Portland this in this uh, young season. Uh, with a win, they would make two straight wins. The LA Clippers did not play today. They play tomorrow at 4 p.m. Pacific time, 7 p.m. Eastern, against the Orlando Magic in Orlando, Florida. And uh, with the win, the Clippers would look to snap a two-game losing streak. The LA Kings played the Philadelphia Flyers today at home. I was at the game, and the Kings lost 5-2. to two. The Flyers now improved to six and seven, and the Kings fall to three, eight, and one. Horrible record, horrible team, just bad. Uh, the Kings don't play tomorrow, but they do play the day after at seven thirty p.m. Pacific time, ten thirty p.m. Eastern against the Columbus Blue Jackets, as they look to get back in the win column. The Anaheim Ducks played uh, today. They lost to the New York Rangers three to two in the shootout. So the Ducks are now five, six, and three, a very odd record, and the Rangers are five, seven, and one. The Ducks um, have two days off, and then they resume. Or do they have? Yeah, they have two days off. Then they resume play on Sunday, November fourth, at six p.m. Pacific time, nine p.m. Eastern against the Columbus Blue Jackets at home. Um, LAFC played in the playoffs today against Real Salt Lake, and they lost three to two. Uh, the first goal was scored scored by Demir Kraluk of Real Salt Lake to make it one zero. Then Danilo Aparicado da Silva made it one uh, one on the thirty first minute. Then in the fifty fourth minute, Christian Ramirez gave LAFC a two one lead. Demir Kralek scored his second goal of the game in the 58th minute to tie it at two. And then Walker Zimmerman in the 69th minute, 69th minute was credited with the goal. It was an own goal for LAFC. And we also like have eliminated LAFC from the playoffs. Um, 
The LA Rams are currently 8-0, first in the NFL, first in the NFC West. Have a big game this Sunday, November 4th at 1.25 p.m. Pacific time, 4.25 p.m. Eastern against the New Orleans Saints. Uh, the Saints are the second-best team in the NFC. The LA Chargers were currently 5-2 and two and second in the AFC West, um, but are struggling to, to keep fans. They had a bye week last week, but they resumed play this Sunday, November 4th at 1.05 p.m. Pacific time, 4.05 p.m. Eastern against the Seattle Seahawks, broadcast nationally on CBS. UCLA football resumes play the day after tomorrow at 4.30 p.m. Pacific time, 7.30 p.m. Eastern against the Oregon Ducks, broadcasted on Fox. And finally, USC football, they resume play the day after tomorrow at 7 p.m. Pacific time, 10 p.m. Eastern against the Oregon State Beavers on Fox Sports 1. So that's all we have for, the, for this episode, fairly short compared to most of the others. And um, thank you guys for listening, and I'll see you on the next one. That'll be episode number 170.